0: As we worship Jesus as our Savior, that he took on all of our grief, he took on our pain, our sickness, our fears, our shame, all these things, and he overcame them. We know that's not the end of the story tonight. So as uh, we worship, I just invite you to stand. Later we're going to worship through hearing the word. Later we'll worship through communion. And just stand with us right now as we sing out about his amazing grace.
1: i Son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with holy thunder, who shines in all its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace, this is unfailing love. Lamb who slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who slain.
2: until where your blood was spilled
3: Since the beginning of time has led up to now. And now, the world is shaking. Many are scrambling for something to hold on to something that will help them, something that will protect them, something that will hold them. Jesus knows the world is scrambling for something. Someone to trust. He shouted to the crowds, If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. The book has always been clear about trust. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So in this hour of shaking, Jesus tirelessly calls out, Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. But so many, so many are bound to trusting lesser things. Temporal things. Untrustworthy things. Things like power, prestige, their own plans. Shallow, untrustworthy. The Oxford Dictionary defines trust as a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. In the same dictionary, faith is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, did you catch that? Trust is a firm belief. Faith is a complete trust. One demands the other. And furthermore, when you have faith or trust, it's displayed by what you entrust, what you give over, what you hand over, what you surrender, if you will. Because what you hold on to will eventually hold you. Jesus knows that. So he's on a mission. It's dark. Matthew reports that the chief priests and elders have assembled in the palace of the high priest. Did you hear that? The palace of the high priest. Could that be an indication of what the priest might trust? In this priestly bastion, they're scheming about how to arrest Jesus Secretly and kill him. Clearly, they've made their decisions about who they're not trust. They too have heard the sermons. They've seen the miracles. Imagine Jesus before them, face to face, the very author, person, reason for their faith. All for naught. They've listened and chosen to trust their schemes. Jesus knows. He's known. His heart still cries, O Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you... We're not willing. Jesus is the good shepherd. The one who goes out to seek and to save. And now these people, the ones he came to call, are seeking him not for salvation, but for crucifixion. The agony of their way pains Jesus. And yet, he is preparing to shoulder their burdens in ways they don't understand. The weight is immense. The pressure is crushing. And yet, he presses on. How? How does he pursue their good when they devise evil? There are others. It's not just the chief priests and elders. His closest friends, his chosen students, fail to comprehend. The rabbi has been candid with them announcing the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. That's clear, isn't it? Imagine the disappointment in those who are closest to you. People you've poured your life into, failing to see, to understand, to empathize. For three years, they've heard him. They've ate with him. They've walked with him. They've had front row seats to his miracles and his lessons. And their response to his agony is to spiral off into a ridiculous argument about who is greatest. Are you kidding me? Who is greatest? Did, did they not hear him? Do, do they not care? Are, are they just ignorant? Shockingly, Jesus offers them no rebuke. Instead, he rises from the table Takes off his robe, he wraps a towel around his waist, and pours water into a basin. He then begins to wash these disciples' feet. The disciples are immediately brought to earth. Shifting nervously, Peter resists, saying, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus calmly counters. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Peter accepts grudgingly. Peter is a self-made man. He'll do it himself, by himself. Strong, independent, proud. And Jesus is working carefully to awaken new levels of trust in this, Peter. He'll need it. In the hours ahead, he warns Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Atop this warning, he issues one to all the students. This very night, you will all fall away. On account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. The teacher is laboring to make clear to them where their trust actually is. Peter argues, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And all the disciples promised the same to the rabbi. You see, oftentimes we're just unaware of what we really trust in. And it blinds us from moving to what we really ought to cling to. In a sense, we grow sleepy, just as Jesus' closest friends did in his hour of need, fast asleep. In a flash, a mob descends on him. Judas, yes, Judas leads them. Guiding a detachment of soldiers and officials from the Pharisees, they storm into Jesus' camp, carrying torches and weapons. And with a kiss, Judas turns his rabbi over to this cruelty. Jesus asks them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he. The sheer power of Jesus' announcement as the great I am overwhelms his attackers. They are driven to the ground under the power of the announcement of who he really is. Jesus tells them, I told you that I'm he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. Even now, while accosted, he is thinking of his friends, these friends, the ones who are oblivious to his agony, and rather concern themselves about silly arguments about who's greatest. They contend against his teaching. They fall asleep in his greatest hour of need, and he cares for them. He protects them. He shields them. How does he return such love for such disinterest and negligence? In the moment Peter attempts to save face, he draws a sword, striking the highest priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. And Jesus intervenes and says, No more of this! And he touches the man's ear and heals him he heals him this raider the the high priest servant who is determined to hand him over and Jesus' response is to heal how does he respond this way how can he then Scripture simply states, everyone deserted him. Surely the words of the prophet are true here. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, deep pain, rejection, abandonment. How? How? Is he enduring this? How is he bearing this? He makes no effort to defend himself. Like a lamb, he lies down. He offers no argument, no defense, no retaliation. All he says is this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Jesus is whisked off to the trials. Illegal trials, filled with false testimony, accusation, and abuse. They scream, he is worthy of death. They spit in his face and strike him with their fists. Others slap him, mocking and sneering. Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hits you. The scriptures state that through all of this, Jesus remained strangely silent. In the face of blatant lies, in all the senseless brutality, the wild abuse, he doesn't strike back, he doesn't argue or explain. Instead, he turns the other cheek. Where does he find the power to return this good for evil? It's morning. The chief priests and elders have determined to have Jesus executed. So they bind him, handing him over to Pilate. As unlikely as it may sound, it is this Roman ruler, Pilate, who most objectively interviews Jesus. Pilate asks him, Are are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus responds? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Countered Pilate. Your own people. And chief priests. Have handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus answered. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were. My servants would fight. To prevent my arrest. But now. Now. My kingdom is from another place. Ah, Pilate responds, you are a king then. Pilate is incredibly close to trusting the only trustworthy one. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Even now, in the face of certain death, Jesus extends himself saying, trust me. The tentacles of what Pilate has entrusted himself to choke off the hope of turning. He responds honestly, and perhaps with his deepest inner question, What is truth? How true that is for Pilate. Although living truth is standing before him, Pilate refuses to surrender his little kingdom to an obviously greater one. That unwillingness causes him to cave to the demands of a demented and crazed crowd. Ah, the crowds. Their shifted allegiance is shameful. Only days ago, they welcomed him as the conquering king, and now they publicly announced they prefer this criminal named Barabbas. How quickly our urges flop. Christ's response to their whimsical, irrational ways is a staggering prayer. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgive? Forgive? Forgive this? All this, this betrayal, the scheming, the pride, the arrogance, the recklessness, the savagery, the hate, forgive all of that? How can he? Why doesn't he grow weary, resentful, bitter, angry, spiteful? I, I would. I dare say you would. I dare say all of us would. How is it that he extends such grace and forgiveness to us? Even in his agony, in the midst of all of his suffering, he's still calling and reaching and loving. A criminal who's dangling from an adjacent cross calls to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answers, truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me. That's his mission. That's his aim. You and I will be with him. The pain cannot stop him. The beatings will not deter him. The rejection will not thwart his work. Nothing, absolutely nothing, will stop the Christ. But how? How is it that he can walk through these things, extending such love and kindness and mercy to such unworthy and undeserving people? Perhaps it's what the centurion saw and heard. In his final hour, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, into your hands, into your hands, I commit my spirit. So powerful was this display that the soldier declared emphatically, Surely, this is the Son of God. Years later, Peter, the disciple, would write, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself here, Father, into your hand. Father, into your hands. Father, into your hands. So convinced of Christ's way, Peter noted, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you and me an example. That you and I should follow in his steps today, tonight, tomorrow. It remains still true. No other steps are trustworthy, no other example is reliable. Trust him with everything. Trust him. Would you pray? Lord, as we bow our heads and prepare our hearts for offering, there's so much more to this moment than just putting $20 in the plate. If we hear the story, if we hear the passage, we hear to this we're called, to follow in your steps. So, Lord, in this moment as we give, let us follow, let us trust. In this moment when we stand and we worship and we come for communion, let us follow, let us trust. And Lord, as we leave this place, let us follow. Let us trust. Because it's your footsteps. It's your path. That is really the only trustworthy way. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs)
4: and faith, they go together. Um, Tonight we get the privilege and the honor to share communion in in the family table of coming together and acknowledging what the Lord has done for us. And as Mark was talking, I kept thinking of the words he kept ascribing to Jesus. And he is light, and he is truth, and he is just, and he is good, and he is redemption, And he's salvation. He's everything we need. And anything that we have put our trust and faith in that isn't him will waste away. He's a solid thing that we get to put our trust and faith in. So when we come to the table tonight, we can remember that. The way we're going to do communion tonight is we're going to take our time. Um, We're going to have three teams. And when you come, um, we'll do it by intinction. If you need gluten-free, let your server know because there's will be a gluten-free station here. But we're going to have everyone come down the middle aisle and there will be three teams, and when a team is available, you can go to them. So take your time. Stay in worship until the Lord leads you to get up and come and take communion because we're going to, we really, it's on our heart to pray a blessing over each and every one of you that's in here tonight. Okay? So let me, let me lead us into communion. On the night that he was betrayed... Jesus took the bread and he broke it with his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. For you. It's personal. He did this for you. Eat this and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of my blood. It's the new covenant It's a new way. It's a new way that he has made for us to be with him always. And he said, drink and do this in remembrance of me. This may just be a little bit of my heritage, but Allison, it's on my heart that we would pray as the Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. teams come up come when you're ready the table is prepared
0: we invite you to stand with us as we continue to worship
1: you spoke and words were formed. you breathed and life was born So... Oh. Rains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns and If they come and the road ahead gets steep, I will lift these hands in faith. I will believe and i remind myself of all that you've done and the life I have because of your soul Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free I am yours, I am forever yours Mountain high, or valley low I sing out, remind my soul That I am yours, I am forever
5: yours
1: And when my heart is filled with hope And every promise comes my way When I feel your hands of grace rest upon me Staying desperate for you, God Staying humbled at your feet I will lift these hands and praise I will believe And I remind myself of all that you do Because of your son. In
5: I know you won't light it up more the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah.
1: the veil was told.
5: from heaven, Jesus Messiah,
1: Lord of all, Jesus Messiah, Jesus Messiah. crown for my soul.
0: as we sing this out and declare it because of Jesus' love we can have a freedom and we can have a life that is full in Him just like it says in John 10.10 10, that Jesus came that we would have eternal life and that we would have life to the full filled with love filled with joy peace patience kindness goodness self-control gentleness Sing a song, uh, Come Thou Fount. And uh, right now, that song has so much meaning to it that uh, Jesus was uh, not even in the picture at that time. It was the Old Testament that, um, that there were people that were trying to uh, be in a place that, uh, that God was going to save them. And so then God came through, and what they did is they built a monument called an Ebenezer. And that Ebenezer meant thank you, God, for how far you've already taken us. And I know that there may be some of you tonight that may just be going through a hard time and just feeling tired. Feeling like, oh, I've just been trying to fight the good fight and trying to move ahead. And I don't have any energy left or I feel spent or physically drained. Or maybe there's some emotion that's just taxing on you. I want us to just uh, proclaim this and sing this out that here I raise my Ebenezer. Thank you, God, for how far we've already come. And hold on to that. Say, Lord, we thank you. We are so grateful for how far you brought us.
1: you for.
3: It is good to gather in the name of the Lord, is it not? Yeah. To thank Jesus for all that he's done, all that he's doing. And I just want to pray a blessing as you go out and we continue just to remember his presence. Lord, I pray as the chief shepherd that for each and every one of these people as they walk, that they would sense your nearness. Then in the midst of something that might be confusing or hard or upside down, that in those moments that they wouldn't turn away, but they'd turn towards, in the moment it wouldn't weaken their faith, but strengthen it, that trust would arise, Mm -hmm. that faith would arise. Lord, we thank you that you are so present, so persistent, so loving. And as we go, you go. Let us be mindful of that during this season and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you real good. See you Sunday. It's coming.